Good afternoon and welcome back to the EJS show on the Liberty Block. This show is being recorded live and will be available shortly after its conclusion as a podcast. We invite anyone listening to the podcast to join us live on Zoom or by phone and share your thoughts and comments. We also invite everyone to share thoughts, comments, and any feedback you may have by emailing us at ejsshow at protonmail.com. So good afternoon, everybody. I am Steve. If everybody wants to quickly say who they are, that would be cool too. Hi, I'm Jody. Hi, everybody. Hey, Jody, Hi. this is Ed. Good afternoon, hey, everyone. Mike, Mike here, plus sign. So I guess the thing we'll start with once again is COVID. And there's several issues going on with COVID. There's the threat of making people wear masks again in various venues. I don't know what's going on nationally versus state versus municipality. I know I think St. Louis tried to make a uh, mask mandate and I think Missouri fought them and won, but it's seemingly every jurisdiction is up for grabs right now as far as the masks. And the vaccine mandate, I think uh, our illustrious ex-vice president said yesterday that people who don't get the vaccine are not as smart as he thought we were. Now, I know years ago he told everybody he'll match his IQ against anybody's, but I'm not sure if that's either here nor there. So obviously the pressure's coming back again to bring COVID back to the fore. And those of us who have gotten our vaccine so we could return to any semblance of normalcy may have been played the fools. So yeah. I'll open that up to whoever wants to comment. Yeah, I've been played a fool. I've been thinking about it over and over. Again, though, I mean, I voted for Obama. So this is just another notch in my bed frame of stupid choices that I've made, believing stupid things that people say. But, um, you know, one of the things I remember hearing early on in this pandemic was uh, and it was from, I want to say he was a virologist from, from Germany discussing how the reality is, is that this is going to be endemic to our society, just as the flu is, it comes in with differing strains every season. This is never going away and it will have various strains forevermore. And so as I watch the hysteria over now the Delta variant, and you try to ask the reasoned questions of, okay, but how deadly and dangerous is it? Like, does it, is it so deadly and dangerous that it warrants these kinds of behaviors once again? And we can have a different discussion on whether it ever warrants these behaviors. But right now, I would like to have the answers of what is the case fatality rate? I mean, how dangerous and deadly is it? What does it, but you can't seem to find those answers being even asked in the scientific community. And so it makes me really realize, you know, that very scary reality that this is, this is never going to go away because it's not about science. It's not about empirical evidence. It really is about control. And those people who should be asking the really important scientific questions have abdicated their role in science. And so I, I don't know what to say other than once again, I've been played a but, fool and I got a vaccine to get out of jail free. I mean, it's, it's beyond that at this point, isn't it? The whole, the whole thing's corrupt. I mean, yeah. we're not, we're not going to get honest answers out of anybody out of, out of this stuff because 
there's motivations not to tell us the truth and be transparent about what's going on. Jody, when you say certain people have abdicated, do you want to be explicit about who you mean? Yeah, I mean, I mean those in the scientific community from your uh, frontline doctor to, you know, uh, those in public health leadership roles to the academicians in medicine and other roles, even in other roles of science, everyone who has taken a sort of, um, what what do I want to say? I don't want to say leadership role, but if you ascribe to learning science because you understand the value of empirical evidence and data and the value of the scientific process when it comes to you know evolving humanity forward, those people who sort of step into that world and learn it and love it, and certainly the physicians who took the Hippocratic Oath do no harm, those people in my mind have a sort of responsibility to science and intellectual evolution to not ignore the value of the scientific process and intellectual evolution and empirical evidence. And I feel like they've all gone to sleep at the wheel and it's almost like, wait, what? Uh, Wait, what? Vague vague answers aren't okay. Wait, what? You want scientific evidence? What? I, I feel like so many in those communities have lost it. Jody, I just want to add one thing into the mix. Um, you're the most medical of the five of us here today. There's been some kind of recall <laughs> with this PCR test and some kind of notification that they're no longer reliable. And I just took one, Steve. I took one on Friday morning. I went, I didn't even know you could go buy them at Walgreens because I was traveling from Michigan to, or from Illinois back to Michigan. And even though I'd been vaccinated, I was having a really bad upper respiratory illness. And I thought, well, I I called my physician. Um, They couldn't, they couldn't give me an answer to the, you know, whether I was COVID positive for 24 to 48 hours and I was scheduled to leave. So I didn't really have that time. So I'm Googling into Walgreens and realize, oh, hey, look, I can just go buy an over-the-counter PCR test. And honestly, I wasn't going to believe whatever it said. I mean, if it was positive, I probably, I would have investigated more because I would have not, I, I do take the virus itself seriously for those around me. But but I, I knew, I'm like, you know, I really don't trust this, but at least I'll have, oh no, I tested negative for COVID if anybody asked me. Sure enough, I, I, I ran the test at home and as I'm running it, I'm thinking, are you really kidding me? Because the steps that people could easily just ignore and then say, oh, no, no, I tested negative. It, it, it's such a joke to me, but I really, I, I wanted to just have that under, you know, to be able to say, look, no, I tested negative. And then I learned on Sunday or whatever that it was recalled. You can't do that anymore. I went back to that same Walgreens. They're no longer on the shelf. But apparently they're admitting that there's so many false positives, which is what people have been saying for a year that these 40 cycles and 35 cycles makes everybody and their grandma and their grandmother test positive. Supposedly they can make a Coke can test positive. There was some weird story <laughs> the other day. So when we talk about what truth is being spread in order to get us to wear masks, and get vaccinations, we will never know. 
what the truth is. Because all the statistics on every side, numerators and denominators, and no, I don't remember which is which, but both of them were wrong. So, Ed, you want to say something? Yeah, I I agree with what you're saying, Jody, particularly, you know, you you challenging the, the scientists to be asking questions that they're not asking and to implement the scientific method, which they're not doing. But the bottom line is, I, I almost think that's, I mean, you're 100% right, but it's almost beside the point. Even if, even if the, the COVID virus were as dangerous as Ebola or, or, any other, or some other really uh, dangerous disease, you still wouldn't need to mandate it. You just need to show the facts. And yeah, I agree. Decide for themselves. And the bottom line is, and this is really the, the unanswerable question about the vaccines, if the vaccines work, whether it's for Ebola or COVID or anything else, someone vaccinated has nothing to fear from someone unvaccinated. Right. That is the bottom line. And the fact that they are trying to twist and contort language and, and I mean, essentially they're just, they're BSing the public when they say that the unvaccinated pose some risk to the vaccinated. That necessarily, they're necessarily contradicting themselves because if so you have a vaccine- I- and the vaccine is effective, then unvaccinated people are not a threat to you. The only purpose in mandatory vaccine vaccinations, in my opinion, is as an adjunct to child abuse laws. So if you wanna insist that children get a polio shot because if they don't get a polio shot, it's a, it's some, it's a form of child abuse. I'm willing to listen to that argument. I think that's a, a plausible argument, but to say that adults are forced, it should be forced to do it. Uh, I think it's preposterous. I think. You know, as a lawyer, I know that the that the you know we're relying they're relying on the Jacobson case from 1905, uh, which I think is a joke. I think that uh, Roe v. Wade and and its progeny overrule Jacobson. Roe v. Wade says that we can't force a woman to use her body to incubate you know to protect another human being, um, and Jacobson says, oh yes, we can. But Roe v. Wade over Jacobson, because I'm sorry, can you explain Jacobson what Jacobson- is a 1905 case that specifically allows forced vaccinations in the cases of a of a of an epidemic? But that's a that's that's from what's called the Lochner era era of, of cases where maximum personal freedom was allowed. Uh, no other case from that time period has survived, and I just think it's it's a joke that. Uh, that anyone is citing the Jacobson case. Now, before Ed Powell or anyone else jumps in and tells me that the courts are going to do whatever they want and they're on the side of tyranny, I'll say I, I tend to agree with that. But, um, you know, all I can do is give an honest appraisal. And uh, this is just, your questions were right on target, Jody. But the bottom line is, even if there were a true, even if the science we're in, we're in their favor and answer the questions the way that to justify what they're trying to do, it still wouldn't justify forced vaccinations. Okay, so we know the federal government, what we heard just before the show is they're mandating vaccines, I think for all of their employees. And you have a lot of private businesses mandating vaccines. I think other states are mandating vaccines. Somebody said that's illegal because it's only an experimental. And I mentioned this article that the Department of Justice ruled that it is legal. Now, I have no idea with Office of Legal Counsel for Department of Justice, what power authority they have. I only know that they have a lot more authority than I do. And frankly, 
whatever they say is the law is the law. And our only recourse is to go to court for the next, let's see, four years, six years, eight years, and then hopefully a judge. Our legal recourse is to talk to our local legislators and say, and get them to say, hell no. I mean, that's really the the solution to this problem. We're not going to solve this problem by filing lawsuits in federal court. And we're not going to solve this problem by trying to win an election, a federal election in 22 and 24. We need the federal government is going to need the cooperation of local law enforcement to impose these mandates. And we need local people to say, hell no, we're not complying. And all we need to do is look at the left for a blueprint. I mean, I was talking to some other people in the last couple of days. I mean, look at gun control, right? We had the Heller case and we had the city of Chicago versus McDonald go to the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court struck down Chicago's gun control law. They said that you have an individual right to own a gun. It is 11 years later and they still have the worst gun control in Chicago. Why is that? Because the Democrats say, we don't care what the Supreme Court said. We're going to do it anyway. And that's what we need to learn how to do. I mean, whether it's sanctuary cities or, or ignoring gun control rulings or trying to ignore Citizens United, the left doesn't care when the court rules against them. And we need, we need our side to, to take an equally strident position and say, you know what, you know, as Andrew Jackson said in 1830, you guys have made your decision, now come and try and enforce it. And that's what we need to do. So we have DeSantis is doing it in Florida and you have sheriffs in various jurisdictions saying we're not gonna enforce things, maybe a few other states. So yes, there is some pushback in saying we won't enforce it. But for DeSantis, DeSantis came out in favor of the vaccines. He, I, but I don't think he came in favor of mandating them. Did he? he just said everybody should take No, them. but he said everyone should get them. So, I mean, he's lending, you know, aid and comfort to the other side. Yeah, and not even to mention how much Biden and Kamala, et cetera, said they would never take a Trump vaccine. That's just neither here nor there. <laughs> and he, the fact that the press, so, you know, every time people say they can't do that, well, look what they just pulled off with that. You know, they switched on a dime from we're not going to take a Trump vaccine. We'll never trust it to anybody who doesn't take it isn't as smart as I am and is endangering the whole community. So they can do anything they want and they can change the price of chocolate. And we will wonder, wait a minute, was it backwards? So, okay, uh, I just again, I'm going to preface this by saying I I voted for Obama. So take this how you will. You don't need to be self-flagellating, Jody. It's okay. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, I just want to put out how stupid that move was. But anyway, I got one of us. Hey, McCain, but, McCain is a horrible, horrible, horrible human being. I have friends who voted for Obama uh, in 2008 because of McCain being a horrible human being. And, and We're losing your audio, but McCain was a war hero, so it doesn't yeah. matter. Hey, listen, Jody. He was just a wart. He was Jody, a traitor. Jody, Ronald Reagan was a Democrat. I know. And Look, he saw he saw the light, and you uh, have too, so that's all that so matters. So was Thomas Sowell. Many great people, you know, had to, Jody, had to Jody, go to the Carol, dark before they see great. the light. Yeah. Um, anywho, <laughs> so what I was going to say was I – tend to find, and I have looked uh, as much as I can to see, I do think that 
with skepticism, I don't think that taking the vaccine is itself a bad thing. I do think from what I've seen, limited amounts of, it is effective in reducing severity of the disease. Now there's a whole nother, you know, subject to discuss on how much you can trust whatever, but right now I, for most people, not all, certainly not kids at this point, but I'm not against the vaccine necessarily. I'm, I'm super against mandating it and I'm wide open to, no, I'm not just wide open. I demand that we continue to aggressively look at the empirical data and the science and not just say, oh no, it's all good. Everybody take the vaccine, don't worry about it. That is so irresponsible and that's not what I'm advocating. I'm just saying right now, I tend to find that it seems like it is making, doing some good as far as reducing hospitalizations and deaths. I'm just gonna leave it at that. Now with school starting in several weeks, there's no question that a certain percentage of moms are not happy about this mask in school business. And time is going to tell. Now, that um, I got. Wait, wait, wait. That's sexist because dads are concerned too. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I'm stuck in the Can't say dads or moms. Right. I shouldn't have said that. I should have said birthing people and their <laughs> sperm donors. Inseminators. Inseminators. And then say, no, you are correct. Can't say that either because a man can have. I don't know. We're okay. So we have the story from, uh, I think, one of the California medical schools where a professor, I believe, said a pregnant woman and had to grovel and apologize for having said that and admit his mistake. Not sure if he did it in Chinese, but hopefully they'll teach him that in his re-education camp as well. So it really is that bad that we literally have to grovel and apologize for saying pregnant woman. It's just, it's, <laughs> it's insanity. There, there are no limits. There, are there no, is no really such hard to thing. Find a good it's going to be really hard to find a good doctor in 10 or 20 or 30 yes. years. Well, we know that, you know, some of the doctors are upset. I, I hear it from the paramedics and the family that there are major differences between what used to be called the two genders. And many diagnoses, even in emergencies, depend on what you think they are. And that's all. You and know, race. How, how I mean, how medications work with, between races and genders, let alone disease processes. Mm -hmm. Well, we're not allowed to think about that. Like we've all said, we're asked when we go to the doctor, what gender were we born, what gender do we identify as, what gender were we yesterday, what gender do we want to be tomorrow? I want to tell them if you can't tell, maybe I should go next door. But First of all, people have sex. Words have gender. This whole application of the wrong term to uh, what is actually sex, male or female, is ridiculous. The whole thing from beginning to end. Right, but they, they succeeded in changing that, unfortunately. That, that's the way the words used to be used. But again, we used to use a lot of words correctly, but we don't anymore. No. By the way, just to go off on a ridiculous tangent of how you can never be extreme enough, do you hear that there's pressure to change the rainbow flag? No, really? what, have you, what have you Oh, heard? it's all over the place, just Google it. It's not inclusive enough. It's not inclusive of, I'm not, well, I don't know why anybody would laugh at this. Um, it doesn't include transgenders. It's not including enough people of color. And yet there's a whole bunch of stories out there. A lot of people talking about it. It needs to be redesigned. So it'll be like going to the Benjamin Moore store and you'll see a whole palette of different. 
it, it may end up like that. Hundreds, hundreds and hundreds of them. I haven't yet heard that they're gonna, they can't afford Hunter Biden to paint their new flag. So, <laughs> and I'm sure some of you have seen the side-by-side -side YouTube of Joe Biden demanding five-year prison sentences for crack smokers, side-by-side -side with his son smoking crack, which is neither here nor there, but it's a very effective little mm, piece hilarious of Hilarious video. It's, yeah, if she saw it, it's pretty funny. Um, the, that's the COVID news. I think there's even the worst news out there is the two stories about big tech. One of them, Big Tech's anti-terrorism task force begins tracking far-right militias as extremist groups. This is a story from two days ago. I was unaware that there was a Big Tech anti-terrorism alliance. I don't know if you guys knew that before. Did you know that? I did not know that. So this I is what it. The Global Internet Forum to Counter Terrorism, a nonprofit founded by Microsoft, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. They've apparently had this anti-terrorism group going for several years, since 2017. And the database is shared, I believe, with law enforcement, other countries, et cetera. And now they're gonna no longer focus on the bad guys, but they're gonna start focusing on Proud Boys, Three Percenters, and basically all of us. That is extremely, extremely dangerous. And the other major story that's out there, which is very much. Let me get to that other story. I think the big you've left out the biggest part of that story is that they're working with the United Nations in, in on that task force. The United Nations is the one that's going to be feeding them information, which is a even though it's not technically a government agency, it's not a, a private agency either. I mean, it's a quasi government agency. So they're they're explicitly working with a government with, with a with the world's governments to silence people and to track people. Well, they're both feeding the information and being fed the information, right? It's a two-way street. Right. Well, the second story, which is very much part of the first, and then we can all rant about it, and appropriately so, is this new story that PayPal is joining up with the Anti-Defamation League to blacklist and spy on, quote, extremists. Now, I'm old enough to remember when the Anti-Defamation League was part of B'nai B'rith and it was a Jewish organization. And I believe anti-defamation was to fight anti-Semitism. Well, it's gone way, way, way off of that track. Now it's there sort of like the Southern Poverty Law Center, not much different. And this idea that PayPal is going even further in accepting information from far left-wing organizations to de-platform, de-bank, de-everything, everybody, those two stories um, in tandem are just another major, major step towards we're all being shut down totally. I think, you know, taking a larger view of both of those stories, I, I think that we on the right, we conservative libertarian types need to step back and ask the question, what's the purpose of limiting government? And the purpose is not as an end of it, in and of itself to limit government, it's to protect individual freedom and liberty. And when you've got these gigantic government uh, corporate entities that are either working in tandem with governments or acting almost as quasi-governments themselves, I don't think the fact that they're, that they're nominally private means we, we have to just step back and say, well, whatever tyranny they enforce against us, we have to just accept as a because it's a private entity. I mean, the, the purpose of, of respecting private entities is because we want them to, we, we think that, that's, that the market is gonna allow choice. And when there is, when the market is not giving us choices 
when they're working together with governments to squash choices the way, say, the big tech companies work to, to eliminate parlor, I think we need to be able to say, we've got to do something about it. You know, I, it's the declaration where it says that to protect such rights, governments governments are instituted among men. Is that the correct quote? To secure these rights, governments are instituted among men. Is that talking about these types of things as well or not? Say again? Does that cover these types of issues or only things like theft and murder and stuff like that? Can we say that that covers this? I think that we have to say that this is a new situation that wasn't contemplated by the founders. At the time of the founders, the only, the only entities that had, the, had sufficient power to, to crush individual rights were governments. And today we, that's we also, the case. We also didn't have the public forum that places like Facebook and Twitter afford in order to exercise our free speech rights. I mean, what did you have in 1787? <laughs> you, were, you, you probably didn't even have access to a printing press. You only had the, the spoken word. So we're living in we a also understand. Time. We also understand that um, while the uh, fountainheads of censorship uh, tend to be um, private organizations, the ADL and the SPLC, um, a couple of others, they are really uh, shills for the regime, to be honest. And so it's it, it's really it's really a government trying to institute censorship policies by um, private agitation. And it, 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 there's no real difference between you know something like the ADL and the regime in power in the United States. I mean, you know, what's the difference? There's, there's none, they're identical. So it's hard to, uh, you know, it, it's hard to say that this is not governmental action. Right? But there's enough I mean, of a gap there to let judges and legislators like Congress people pretend that there's enough of a gap. And that's the problem. That, that's, that's true, but I don't pretend that there's a gap. So you that's, can't, you I mean, can't that's the stop them from doing it. Yeah, I mean, you well, I mean, of course, you can stop them from doing it. I mean, why do we have to obey the art? You know, I church like there again, uh, it, you know, any policy that uh, reduces my freedom is wrong. That's his Kurt Schlichter's first law. So if letting these big tech companies censor conservatives um, it is part of your principles, then I think you really need to rethink your principles. Again, I'm just quoting uh, Schlichter. I happen to agree with him 100%. It just, you know, that's just, it's, it's, it's wrong if, uh, you know, if uh, George Soros buys up the streets around my house and says, oh yeah, no car um, that isn't electric uh, drives on it, or um, oh, uh, you are not allowed to uh, have any firearms in the car on uh, Soros Road or Soros Drive or Soros Avenue. I mean, that's it's ridiculous. Um, it's it's just it, the the country experienced, you know, some very small uh, fraction of what we're experiencing right now with private companies. 
um, dictating to government certain terms and, and dictating to individuals how they uh, must run their lives. And it and you know it ended up in with the uh, antitrust laws. And I, I think you know you can we can all say that the antitrust laws are are vague, which they are. Um, and that in a in a perfect society we wouldn't have such laws, which we wouldn't. But they are a response to a particularly onerous situation that, in in particular, the railroad companies um, instituted against uh, you know certain farmers. Um, and and while the antitrust the antitrust laws weren't used necessarily against uh, the railroads. They were used against like Standard Oil, which is stupid, which was stupid. Standard Oil was fine. Um, but I think they put the fear of God into some of the other companies and they sort of backed off. I mean, the, railroad, the railroads were doing exactly what I said with regard to the Soros owning the roads. They were, they were dictating all sorts of things to uh, the farmers that they served. And, uh, you know, all sorts of ridiculous things, not not a, not free speech, luckily, but all sorts of absurd uh, qualifications for you to be able to use the railroads. And since there were no roads and there were no trucks and there were no planes and there were no anything else, these farmers were basically completely dependent on the railroads for any income at all. And that, that's kind of one of the reasons that led in the late 1800s to the antitrust laws. Um, so I, I don't know. Um, you know, we, we have to understand that in a self-governed society, which, you know, self-government was the point of the revolution, not, you know, freedom was, was important, but self-government was the most important. Um, you are going to come up against some of these situations where if these companies are getting completely out of control, they have to be smacked down. And I, I think that's where we are right now, yeah, just who, from who's exactly smacking them down. Well, that's and that's exactly what I was saying, Ed, when I said we conservative and libertarian types have to step back and 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 recognize what's the purpose of limiting government. It's not an end in and of itself. Its purpose is to maximize individual liberty. And as you said, also yeah. self-government. I mean, and when when allowing the private sector to run over your rights and, and silence you and, and make it impossible for you to exchange ideas. I don't think that that's what the purpose of of. of of our uh, constitution and our free society and revolution we're about, we're for. Yeah, and, and I, I hate to keep quoting Kurt Schlichter because he obviously is much more um, articulate than I am, but he's he basically said, look, I've had enough of originalist judges. That, 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 we tried that. It's a good idea in theory. So now only results-oriented judges. And I have a feeling that's, you know, I mean, that's what we really need. That, that is the requirement, um, is results-oriented judges. Litmus tests, as they say. Okay, you know, well, if you I, want I, me I to, want you to okay. declare everything Democrats do unconstitutional. That's fine, you know. That's so, Ed, Ed, let me I, say I think that's the, where the we're judges at, right? stories. Okay, because the big judge story out this week is a judge saying... That yes, 100% a web designer is exercising their right to free speech in refusing to uh, make a web page for transgenders or gays getting married or whatnot. Yes, it is pure speech. 
but we can compel you to do it anyway. So you can tell me everything you want to tell me about judges, but our salvation is not going to be coming from judges. Judges have no problem saying we recognize this is against the Constitution and we're going to do it anyway. And if you looked at that case, the judge said that every business owner is a monopoly because they're the only ones who control their own talent. I don't know if that's the word. Sophistry is the word for that, but it's it takes yeah, a genius. I mean, I'm not I'm, I'm not. A, look, I don't think we should abandon any of the battlefields. So I don't think we should abandon judges. Uh, you know, saying they're going to save us is, is absolutely right. They're not going to save us. But on the other hand, um, we can't abandon the battlefield. We just have to switch strategies when it deals with the courts. Um, I, I think Ed is correct in the, that um, in places where it's possible, uh, that's not where I live, but in places where it's possible to uh, do the local thing with you know, your local state uh, and town representatives, I think that's the most important uh, thing you can do. And then, you know, go up from there. But um, I think we're really in trouble because I don't think the regime is going to allow us to uh -oh. do a Trump again, you know. <laughs> Ed, I, I Ed, don't think I don't think a Trump. Sorry. Ed, we're, we're losing you a little bit. And you faded out on the most important right. thing you're saying. You, you were saying the regime is not, I, every, not going to. Oh, yeah, sorry. I, I, I don't think the regime is going to allow us a Trump again. Um, so I think, you know, even a, a, a Trump uh, who actually did stuff, who was effective, I don't think they're going to allow that. So uh, we really do have to focus locally. Um, but, you know, on the national level, to the extent we can, you know, judges are important. That's basically what I'm saying since I don't think we're going to have uh, uh, much of a chance to deal with um, the win the presidency anymore. Um, or, uh, you know, with, with someone who's not simply an establishment type. The, the other thing, obviously, is that, I, you know, California is going to vote to recall uh, Gavin Newsom and uh, that they will never allow him to be recalled, ever. I, 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 I'm, I, I will eat. Uh, I, I will eat my words if if Newsom is recalled uh, that the 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 cheating in California is at such a professional level um, that they could open whole universities on how to cheat in elections. They're never going to let Newsom uh, Pete, uh, be recalled. You say they, you don't mean the California voters. You mean the California regime, right? Yeah. Well, yes. The uh, the one to count the votes. The, yes, exactly. As as as, as uh, Joseph Solomon once said, the the important people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, yeah, I don't think I don't think they're going to. I mean, I I would love it if. I mean, can you imagine Larry Elder becoming uh, governor of California? It would be fantastic. That would but be just, unbelievable. Just just that, it, fantastic in the sense of it's a fantasy because they're never going to allow it to happen. Um, uh, not that I don't want it to happen. Not that if I lived in California, I wouldn't vote for it to happen. But uh, it ain't going to happen. So I, you know, and, and the same thing's going to happen in the in the national um, the national arena. If you follow uh, Seth Keschel, I do recommend you follow Seth Keschel on uh, Telegram. He he's doing a state by state statistical analysis of the voting patterns, and he's finding some interesting, some very interesting phenomena 
that have been going on in that went on in the election last year. Um, well, go, go, ahead. go ahead. Let me interrupt you. No, 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 that's fine. I, I mean, going into that, it would be very, very long and complicated. But I just, just you know, follow Seth Cashel on Telegram is my message. I don't know. I, I don't mean to. I don't know if this is going to turn the direction of the conversation, but I, I just feel like I have to say this. I, I think if you look at what the Biden administration is doing, they're doing things that are so manifestly unpopular, uh, whether it's the, the new vaccine mandate for all federal employees, uh, you know, opening the border, uh, turning away Cuban refugees, but they're un yes, they're unpopular if only people knew about them. But I have a feeling that the vast majority of Americans don't know about these things because they're just not reported by. Well, but the there are so many federal employees. The vaccine mandate for federal employees is going to be known and it's going to be known soon. Yeah, I, I, my guess is the, the federal employee union for the lower end, you know, federal employees will sue on that basis. Well, um, let me just say, the I point think that I'm trying to raise, though, is. They're doing they're acting on multiple fronts in ways that are so manifestly unpopular. I mean, they're not they're not going for, you know, 60, 40 issues The the things they're doing are like 80 or 90 percent unpopular. And it tells me yeah. that they don't think that there's going to be a fair election, that they don't they're not worried about losing a real vote. That's what it tells me, because if they had any concern whatsoever about the voters having a say, they wouldn't be pursuing the policies they're pursuing. That's certainly one possibility. The yeah, other I is think that that's... the far the far left elements of the Democratic Party, of which there are many, AOC, etc., are pulling him in that direction, and he's he, he's just not in a position to to say no. Uh, I think, but I, that's not I how I see it. I think that there's a lot of people on our side who are using exactly what you said, Mike, to, as, to, as an optimistic view of what's going to happen in 22 and 24. And I couldn't disagree more. Um, I think it indicates that they know that it doesn't matter whether they're doing something unpopular. They don't, they, they're not worried about it. I, I don't think they were worried about that from day one. I, I don't think that they're concerned about losing if they even do lose. You know, I, I, we've discussed this before. I, I think, you know, when we had Obama, uh, you know, he did a lot of things and it didn't really seem like he, he cared. Um, but they, obviously they lost big in 2010. I don't think they're, they're worried about another 2010. I don't, I, don't, Obama, I don't think they are. Obama said that, there, that he's not a king. You know, I'd love to do it. That was then. On my own. Huh? <laughs> that was then. Yeah, so I don't think saying. I, I think think agree with Obama on that. I think they've reached the point where... They don't feel like they, they need care. to hide anything. I think that they, no. they're completely contemptuous of the American voter and of the American voting system. I don't think that they are concerned one iota about losing an election. That's how I take it. I mean, there, I that, there was one poll. To be prepared for that. Just, just to Ed point, Ed P, uh, there was a poll that showed that Biden has hit a, a new low. So there's there is something out there. I, I don't know if I can necessarily put my finger on it. Maybe you're you're right. And it's just a knee, knee jerk reaction to doing unpopular things. I, I, I tend to think they look at this guy and they see him as a joke at this point. So I don't know. 
And but, I'm, uh, I'm curious. I, I'm, I'm sorry, my kids were texting me, so I, I, I couldn't pay attention entirely. But do you think that they're not afraid of losing elections because they think the American people will just follow no matter what? Or do you think they're not afraid because they know how to steal elections so well? No, I, I, I think I think that they, they, they think that they've got it rigged. They don't need the mind of the American voter anymore. It's correct. irrelevant. They That's don't need American votes. We're no longer a democracy. That's what or I think. Republic. We're we're, we're going to find out yeah. in the next cycle. And a republic. But it doesn't matter, Jody. Out. It doesn't even matter because they know when they lose the election, we don't move the ball more than a half a yard anyway. No, that's true, and they too. come back. So yeah. we did not repeal Obamacare as we ran. Oh, no, right. Yeah. So they know. So they right. lose a couple of downs and then they come back on the field and they win. Anyway. Right. So they, 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 they have they, it covered both ways. They might they might take a sack every now and then, but they're still going to end up taking their, enough field goals and scoring enough touchdowns along the way. So, which is why to get back to what Ed said, the only possibility is local. The only possibility is more MTGs and more Lauren Boberts and to those few states to fight to strengthen Texas, North Carolina, Florida, maybe Wyoming, a few other states. That's it. You're not changing the yeah. country. Not going to happen. So no. But I, I love that optimistic view, but the more that the wasn't federal, optimistic. <laughs> well, no. OK, so uh, let me let me rephrase that. I like that as a considered thought for how to fight back. But let's be honest, there's not going to be much any such thing as local um, control when the federal government gets so big that there's no allotment for local control. There's no such thing as state governments having their own rules. Uh, when the federal government gets so big that, you know, effectively they turn every state into Baltimore and Detroit so that you don't see the distinction right. between how these people live and it's all the same. And you can only, there's, you know, only bad people like us to blame, not, so not uh, we're all, we're already at optimistic, that. but there's a lot of states who are fighting back right now. Uh, Jody, we're, issues because we're, of what Ed said, because Biden has gone so far that they have to push back. There are there's 20 some states, I forget in which area they're fighting back on, on various issues quite well. So I don't want to be yeah. the optimist here, but that's the only hope. I mean, I, I think the states still do have a lot of power. I mean, what you're saying isn't incorrect. The, the federal government right, pulls I'm a lot of strings. The they pull a lot of strings. Down they, the road. they hold the purse strings, and, right? And they want to grow that power, though. That's their. Point, I, I know. I know. But we're power. at a we're at a point where at some point somebody's got to put the brakes on and start to push back. DeSantis has done it well. We'd like to see probably another two dozen of him out there, but at, we have to start somewhere. And yeah. so some of these things that are that are going on, whether they're the vaccine mandates. Uh, potentially, obviously, law enforcement having it to enforce that stuff. Governors like DeSantis have to say no. Localities, sheriffs have to say no. We're not going to do that. Okay, that that's the only way we're going to get we're going to get pushback and get to where we want to go. I mean, we've talked a lot about the long game, the short game. This is probably more short game stuff, right? That, but we have we have to start somewhere. Well, to put it in long game terms, I think the answer is to tell Joe Biden and the Democrat party, go ahead and fire on Fort Sumter again. If you wanna, if you wanna send in federal troops and occupy the entire country and impose martial law, go ahead and try. 
Right. That's what we need to do. Oh, you see, you see that Texas has actually got the National Guard arresting immigrants right now. That's pretty strong what stuff. Well, yeah, I mean, when they start arresting FBI agents, that's when we need to cheer. So. <laughs> <laughs> What's interesting is how many more conservatives, even law enforcement backers, are saying, you know, disband the FBI, which is so, <sighs> so sad. Now, I know that Marjorie Taylor Greene and Gates and a few others were supposed to knock on Christopher Ray's door the other day. Does anybody know if that happened? I don't know if it happened. So apparently they've been listening to EJS on the Liberty Block, like all good Americans. And we were speaking a lot last week about why aren't we making more noise about the political prisoners and solitary confinement. And they apparently were going to knock on his door either yesterday or the day before and demand answers to such questions of how many people are there in prison. Are they getting to see their lawyers? Are they getting time out in the yard? Are they getting to see their family, et cetera? So I don't know if it happened or not but at least a few more people are making a little bit more noise. But I, listen, the FBI has run so roughshod over this entire country the last few years. Um, I hate to bring up Durham, but last week they said his report's gonna come out. Everybody heard that? <laughs> what a joke. Well, they promised it yeah. for the next millennium. I'm sure it'll have to be approved by Merrick Garland before it comes out. So in other words, it's gonna be the Bull Durham report. I'm sorry, the what? The Bull Durham report. <laughs> Good one, Mike. <laughs> Nobody wants a report. People want indictments. If there's no indictments, then yeah. it's a waste of time. I think we're at a point where we don't expect anything to happen to anybody who deserves it, especially. He's a prosecutor. Prosecute. I don't want a report. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that's going to happen, though. So, No. We live in a time where the bad guys get away with literally murder and yeah. the guys can't even say the word mom. Right. right. Well, That's listen, how... you say the word murder. They can't even call it what it is. Yeah. Is McCarthy but... growing a pair? Is he actually going to consider chucking Cheney and Kinzinger out of the caucus? I mean, there's no, he would never do that. Are you kidding? I'm not kidding. I know they're talking about it. Whether he does it or not, he's not growing a pair. He is the most cowardly Republican this yeah, side of the He's Chicago. got super, super, super low uh, favorability rates, lower than uh, Nancy Pelosi, quite frankly. But he, he wants to be speaker and he's got his eyes on 2022. And if we take the House, that's what he wants. And he doesn't want to tick off the whole Freedom Caucus that much. So I know he's no chance to be speaker. Zero. I hope you're right. I think you're right, actually. Well, well, I mean, there, there's not that's not quite true the 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 cheating is. The vote. Election cheating is is very much centered in districts that are already very, very Democrat. Um, and that's obvious because they need the infrastructure in place to do the cheating. Um, so it is quite possible for us. I mean, the Republicans, not us. I'm not a Republican. The Republicans to take the House and the Senate in 2022. I mean, it's possible. Yeah, but if the Republicans take the House, Donald Trump is going to be Speaker. You really <laughs> think so? No, no, no. He's not. He doesn't want that. That's a terrible job. I mean, it's I'll worse bet. than the president. What? That's it. It's being Speaker of the House is an awful, awful job. Nobody wants that job. Certainly not Trump. Trump um, wants anything that can self-aggrandize and he can 
he can speak and aggrandize from that position. He definitely would take that. Do you think he'd have enough backing for that really to happen? Yep. Well, anybody can be speaker, right? They don't have to appoint one of their own. Supposedly, so, yeah. Um, there's there's a bill in 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 the house to try and require the speaker to be a member of the house, but I don't think that would pass constitutional muster if it were challenged. Of course, that would take years again in the courts. Here we well, go. You again. know what? I don't even think it would need to be challenged. I think a future Congress would say we're ignoring that law. Who's got standing to challenge it? Nobody. Yeah, and there it's you know I mean. To the extent the law matters anymore, which it doesn't, but uh, you know, no Congress can bind a subsequent Congress, and that's that's been a principle for forever. So I mean, you know, I not that some judge won't rule that it can, uh, because they will, but um, you know, you know, I, I don't like to compare Israel to the states, and I know Israel's getting some bad press over their new prime minister coming out incredibly strong about excluding people who aren't vaccinated. But it is nominally at least a democracy and very parallel to ours. And the government that's in power now is every other day proposing some kind of law aimed squarely at Netanyahu, just like Congress here is trying to propose laws aimed squarely at Donald Trump and this idea of brazenly trying to pass laws against one person and one circumstance, which people I don't think would have dared do a couple of decades ago, and they're brazenly doing it. They're trying to pass a law in Israel, but if you've been indicted, you can't um, form a government. If you've been indicted, you can't be prime minister. And what's the fancy word, Ed, making a law for one person? Bill of attainder. Right, that's the one. And yet you see ostensible democracies just brazenly so trying to pass laws to get one person. Who was the one that said, the, uh, I'm going to paraphrase and say, basically, uh, the loss of freedom is only one one or two generations away. Why are we here? We're here because we were asleep at the wheel living our lives. I say we mean. All of us are a lot of us were asleep at the wheel, living our lives while they were literally infiltrating the minds of our young, our education, our media, controlling all of it. And so now we effectively have no access to the minds of the people so they can just get away with murder, literal murder. They can get away with murder. And everybody's like, oh, what? Yeah, because just like that person said, who was it? I'm sorry, I don't remember, but, uh, you know. They've taken over the most important cultural elements of our society. And once you take over culture, politics is 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 easy peasy. Right, Bart. You mean like DOJ dropping its investigation of FOMO for sticking people in nursing homes? So they can yes, yes, there you go. You can yeah. literally get away with killing you can people. Literally get away with killing people. Yes, you can. Well, we have we haven't talked about the hearings that are going on in Capitol Hill right now. Uh, I found it interesting. I, Stop I a minute. Before we talk about it, we all need an onion. Why well, you want us to cry? Yes. OK, now go ahead. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I haven't watched the hearings because I think they're bullshit. Excuse my French. But, um, you know, I noticed yesterday that there was at least one person that that testified claiming that he was being threatened by the crowd. They were going to kill him. They were going to take his gun, I think he said, and everything. And I'm saying to myself, where the hell has this guy been? Because he would have been the poster child 
for uh, leftist media for the last seven months. He would have been on TV every day. We would have heard his sound bite every day for the last seven months. But well, suddenly, where's the video evidence, right? I yeah, mean, where, every where person video has video. Evidence? Where is the evidence? Uh, Vincent well, James, Vincent James, another person you should follow on Telegram, um, said that he would bet his entire life savings that this did not happen. And I, I tend to agree with him. Hey, yeah, Mike, I mean, wasn't that the same guy who said, sitting there and said, Sicknick died of his injuries? At, there was, that was another. I mean, he was just lied. So why would we yeah. believe the other things he's saying? Right. I mean, he literally sat there and lied. Well, no, this, so why would we believe anything he says? Again, this is all part and parcel of the big picture, which we've already touched on between big tech, the collusion with government, basically the, their fascistic con- effort to control us. We know that this, this is part of it. So they're going to parade all these people up there uh, to make it look like Theater. They're, a bu- they're a bunch of terrorists. Theater. And they're going to use it to persecute us. Mm-hmm. Speaking of the word terrorist, you know, I, I, and it was something uh, shared in the show notes, but about, you know, uh, so if they get to say who and what is a terrorist and if the, you know, the government definition of terrorist has to do with, you know, acts of violence or whatever. And then you look at the last year, to, and I guess it's been a couple of years, where now they're saying silence is violence. And you start to put the pieces together and see they get to define what is an act of violence and, and, and silence is violence or mm-hmm. your use of the word mom is an act of violence. This is a really scary place where they don't know. They don't, they don't, they no longer have to mean violence as and violence. bashing you over the head with a bike so, lock. That's, so that's you a are a terrorist based on right. violence, which they get to decide what is violence. And now they decide silence is violence. Uh, the words mom, that's an act of violence. This is where it gets well, really and uh, in, in, infrastructure is childcare, too. So, <laughs> I mean, but more generally, you know, I think the larger point is the left is trying to institutionalize insanity. Yes, they, that is the overall very good job on everything. You know, up is down, black is white, yes, yes. is no, silence is violence. I mean, they are trying, not just trying, they are implementing. They're doing a great insanity, job. Insanity yes. as, a, as a policy prescription, yes. as, as, as a governing philosophy. And I, watch, I watch youth of our time literally believe that it is morally appropriate to lie to get what you want. I think well, that they've been taught this in our schools. It's the Maoist and, you know, eventually as you go back to Jackman, uh, continual revolution, right? It's continual revolution. Everything that is up has to be turned down. That, that's, the, that's the, you know, philosophical um, genesis of this. And it's just, it, you know, it went out of control in the cultural revolution in China and 50 million people got killed and it's going out of control now. And I think they would kill all 75 million Trump supporters or Trump voters um, if, if they f- could figure out a way to do it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think they would, um, you know, that I don't know. I don't know what else to say. Our side needs to be willing to, to stand up and say, this is insane. And we're, we're not going to. It's not just a, you know, we disagree on a, you know, a difference of opinion. 
these people are crazy and debating with them is, is a waste of time at this point. I mean, I don't see, you know, we talk about, you know, separation and civil war and things like that. I mean, there's just no way to talk rationally with these people. Mm. They mean to kill us, as Ed just said, and we either well, recognize that separation that and civil war are the only options. Right. Well, we either recognize the fact that they're looking to kill us or we ignore it at our own peril. That's really where we are. Well, I think, you know, that's where Dan Bongino has changed so much as the way I see it recently, who's basically saying, I don't want anything to do with them. I want total separation for them. He doesn't mean it, I don't think, in the revolution secession way, but he's like, there is no dialogue whatsoever with the Wackers on the other side. None. Exactly. There's no irreconcilable differences at this point, to put it mildly. Absolutely. We're not in the same um, universe. And I have a you question. Can't reason this with is people. off topic, but Mike, you, you brought up the topic, so I'm going to pick up on your very not nice words. Has everybody seen the poop commercial? Poop commercial? What? Okay, <laughs> then we'll have to discuss it next week. There is a probiotic commercial of people pooping. I'm not making this up. And so we can Google it and look at it and talk about it. But I think our culture has hit rock bottom in the sense that there's no more human dignity. We don't dress anymore. We don't care how we talk anymore. We just, there's just nothing. We're as close to, for lack of a better word, we're as close to animals as we can possibly get in so many ways. And that is the end of a civilization. Yeah. Well, I'm sure all they had to do was walk around the streets of uh, San Francisco. Actually, they probably would have saved money had they done that. You're right. Good Just point. so we're clear, though, that whole end of civilization is only for the masses. The elites will be living large forevermore. Um, or Rome will burn? The- I don't know. Didn't, all, didn't the elites go down when Rome burned? No, they didn't. The plan is what I'm saying. Where'd they the go? The elites are going to be living large. They're going to be, you know... They're going to be having dinner on other planets and, you know, we won't be able to drive a car, but, you know. Did you hear that California Dell Computers is not able to sell certain computers in California and right. some other states because it breaks their power energy rules or something? So before we were talking about electric cars being mandated. They already said in California, I think last week, be careful about charging electric cars. Now we're talking about computers, electric use. If this is an Atlas Shrugged, a society falling apart, who can imagine we can't power a PC? So we need to be really supportive of Marcus and his push to secede. <laughs> well, I, I think the- um, Oh yeah, I, definitely California, yes. Yeah. Well, well we don't want- There's a Liberty so, Block t-shirt about that. Um, something to the effect if California wants to go, I have to find it really fast. We'll help you out or something. Well, we don't need secession. We need, you know, survivor. We want to kick them off the island. But um, <laughs> the uh, the Dell computer thing is almost certainly an attack on um, Bitcoin mining and other um, other uh, mining operations rather than game gaming, you know. They talk about the gaming commercial, the gaming computers, but it's almost certainly an attack on Bitcoin. When you say that, what do you, what do you mean? Um, the Dell that's the, saying they can't sell them. So, well, it's one of Dell's um, one of Dell's subsidiary Alienware 
that it says they are not allowed to sell them. But those high electricity computers are, are used a lot for mining Bitcoin. Um, now, uh, the, the serious people in China mine it, um, you know, with servers and stuff. Um, but uh, the little guy, you know, mines it with that kind of computer. I have a feeling that's what it's about rather than, you know, anti-gaming or electricity. I mean, electricity is not that big of a deal, to be honest. Well, it's definitely what they're couching it in. I have no um, maybe they lied. I'm sorry? They wouldn't do maybe that. Maybe they lied. They would never lie. Well, they were lying about charging cars in California last week? I'm being funny. I mean, th that may be another offshoot of it. I, I don't know. But, I mean, this is all part of the MO of the Enviro-Fascist movement. To, you know, to have these re regulations in place. So I've been saying all year since we started this podcast that Bitcoin is living on borrowed time, that cryptocurrencies will will be replaced by digital currency and that the federal government will not allow a competitor currency. Crypto <laughs> seeing I don't know if Ed's story is Ed's take is correct or not. I I, I trust that what he says, uh, but I, I think more generally all governments, all governments are going to come after Bitcoin and crypto because it, they all implicitly a cryptocurrency is a threat to these governments because they can't control it and they can't oversee it. It's interesting. Apparently, Amazon is going to be starting to take Bitcoin and a lot of other big companies are starting to take it. So I'm not sure which direction it's going. I agree with you that they're going to monopolize it at some point and make it illegal outside of government. I would guess if Amazon and companies like Amazon are going to take it, I would guess that they're doing it on behalf of the regime to try and gather information on who owns Bitcoin and who doesn't. That, that would be my, my guess. I don't think that they're, they're doing it out of any profit motive, you know, any commercial profit motive. I think it's because they want to act on behalf of the government and they're luring people in as a trap. That's what I think. Okay, that definitely wins is the most pessimistic, cynical statement of the show. But I think you may, I think you may be right. And that's pretty sad. Um, because you're right, everything that the big tech does is to get information on us, while we think that we're pulling one over them. So it's a great point. Folks, we have to stop in a few minutes. So I'm going to give everybody closing statements. Whoever wants to go first, say aye. Sure, I'll go first. Uh, I, you know, <laughs> The, um, the COVID hysteria doesn't seem like it's going to be able to stop, uh, even when the number of deaths is, you know, very low. So I don't, I don't know what else, I, I don't know what else to say. I mean, we've got to just basically ignore it. Um, I know the Congress people are suing Pelosi over their fines, even they're having to fight it out. If you ignore it and you get arrested, then what? Then you fight it in court. Do the best you can. I mean, nobody's going to arrest you for um, not wearing a mask in a store and stuff. I, you know, on an airplane maybe, but not in a store. They'll just lightly ask you to leave. I and you you're leave. correct. I'm not sure you're correct. They'll say you're trespassing. They ask you to leave. You should leave. Yeah. Right. Well, then that means they're forcing you to wear it. 
Uh, I'll close real quick. I just wanted to say, um, you know, and I have said this before, but just tying together our conversations earlier, we talk about the political threats that we face and the possibility of separating, but we kind of, I, it seems like we negate the reality of that collusion between commerce and government. And just because we separate, we have to be able to be able to, we have to have our own uh, networks of communication. We have to have our own ability to employ people because even if we were to separate from government, there's that. I mean, there's that, that you know, businesses, big companies doing what governments, what, you know, governments can't do and they get to do it. So just because you move to Florida doesn't mean big tech isn't coming for you to take your job and shut you down is what I'm trying to say. So I just want to not us not have us forget the economic and cultural parts that we should have been engaging on for a long, long time and building our own cultural and economic networks. Mike, you got anything? Uh, I'll yield my time, Ed. You take it. Well, I have a, a couple of, you know, Jody, you sort of, you know, stole my thunder a little bit and read my mind. I was going to just do a couple of quick hits on some cultural issues that are more more cultural than political. Um, the first the first quick one was uh, Jeff Bezos going into space and, and all the talk about that. Uh, I see so many people talking about how heroic Jeff Bezos is. And while I think that space travel is heroic, and I think it's one of the one of the possibilities for the future, if we were to go to be able to colonize Mars or some other planet and do do for ourselves what the pilgrims and the colonists for the United for the for America did in, in the 16 and 1700s. I think that's great. But Jeff Bezos is a very evil man. The Washington Post is a very evil organization. He came back from from space and gave $100 million to communist Van Jones. And, and I'm watching a lot of good people on the right offer nothing but praise and heroism for this guy. And he, he's a he's a, a fink. He's a he's a he's a bad person. And the fact that he has, you know, and even his success, I mean, how much of Amazon's success over the last 18 months is due to the fact that its government buddies shut down all of its competitors and forced everybody to, to buy through them. So, you know, that's that's my first thing that I I, I watch and I and I listen to a lot of people extolling Jeff Bezos as some giant hero. Uh, to me, he's a villain more than a hero. Uh, I don't care that he's a successful businessman. I don't, you know, I think that a lot of his gains are, are ill-gotten, especially, like I said, over the last 18 months. Um, and, and even insofar as the Washington Post was not part of uh, you know, the COVID shutdown, they're, they're a cheerleader for it. They're helping to censor information. They're helping to block the free flow of information. And, uh, and he's right at the top of that. So uh, I think that's worth noting. Uh, I also think just, you know, the Olympics have started and I'm not really watching. Uh, but, uh, you know, the, the Simone uh, Biles, Biles story yeah. is, 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 a, is an interesting story. Uh, I think it's dividing people on, on, you know, no, not really political terms, but, uh, you know, my understanding is that she's been uh, having the yips for a while, uh, or at a minimum, she started getting very yippy when they changed the rules on her right before she went and performed. Uh, regardless, I just think that 
it's you know it's an interesting story. I'm, I don't necessarily have a big political point to make about it, but you know you know I think that insofar as she was she got nervous over the fact that they changed the rules on her. And they changed the rules on her precisely because she was too good for the rest of the field. I think it's something that's worth noting. I mean, you know, the Olympics is supposed to be about excellence and, you know, she is, she's the personification of excellence and they're, they're penalizing her for it. I, at a minimum, I just think it's worth noting. And, you know, the other two Olympics, you know, quick stories I wanted to just mention were, you know, the loss by the women's soccer team and the loss by the men's basketball team. You have these woke athletes and they don't really care about representing their country. And, and I don't really care about watching them. I don't really, you know, I, I hope that they both lose. Uh, unfortunately, the women were able to make it out to the knockout round. Uh, I'm sure the men are going to make it to the knockout round in, in basketball. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's nice to see these, these loudmouth louts take a hit and it made me happy. So I just wanted to, to bring that up. Yeah. I mean, we talked about that a little bit last week. Um, I, I don't know if all the women on the soccer team had knelt for the flag or not. I don't know about all the, the men on the basketball team either. Uh, but the sentiment is one I certainly agree with, Ed. Um, you know, it's not like it was when we were growing up and the, and the Olympics were a spectacle and we were proud every time our national anthem was play, played when somebody won a gold medal. The ultimate um, meritocracy. Yeah. And, you know, anymore. between all the wokeness and all this other crap and the fact that we do have a lot of other options these days to watch, I have not really been, been watching it at all myself either. So I also think I, I forgot to mention this one other really small story from the Olympics is the whole uh, uh, punishment that the IOC gave to the Russian team. The Russian team is not allowed to identify themselves as the Russians you know, as Russia, they have to be the Russian Olympic Committee. They can't use the Russian flag. They've got to use the Russian Olympic Committee, you know, the Olympic Committee flag. They can't play the Russian national anthem. And why? Because they were doping. I mean, I mean, I don't, I just think it's funny. I mean, it's almost like they're laughing at us. You know, I mean, if it's a really serious crime, I mean, maybe Russia should have been penalized. I, I, I don't know. I mean, it just hardly seems like a penalty. Not that I think that, today's class of athletes should be punished for what yesterday's athletes did. But um, I know every time I, you know, every time I watch walk past the TV and see that on, and I see that Russian Olympic, you know, ROC and, and this Russian Olympic committee flag, I just, I can't help but chuckle about it. It's almost like they're laughing at us and I'm laughing back at them. Okay. We're going to wrap it up for today. Um, thanks everyone for being here. Once again, we'll be up as a podcast within an hour or so. Please send your comments, opinions, feedback on the show to ejsshow at protonmail.com. We will see you next Wednesday, 4 o'clock. Have a wonderful evening. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. Bye, Have a great Bye everybody.